Awesome job, Lindsay. Yeah, straight up, he loves me anyway. He loves me in spite of me. Very thankful that God loves me in spite of me. Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles, be in the book of Matthew chapter 4. If you remember, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I preached a message from Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19. Um, on the passage where Jesus told the disciples to follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And I had shirts made that day. Anybody got one of them on this morning? Y'all, anybody got the fishing shirt on? Not on? Little, little bit. Well, it's actually warm enough for the fishing shirts. If y'all remember, they had the logo here, but they have Faith Baptist Fishing Team down the left side. And the fishers of men logo on the right shoulder, and they have Matthew 419 on the back. Not long after we had it made, Robin and I were passing through down in South Alabama, and we stopped to get some gas and went in to get a bottle of water. There was a line waiting to pay, and a man and woman standing in front of us. The lady was talking to her husband, and she turned around, and she noticed Faith Baptist fishing team on my sleeve. And she says, your church has a fishing team? <laughs> I said, oh, no, ma'am. We are a fishing team. And I turned around and let her read the text. And I turned back, I said, now that being said, what do you know about Jesus Christ? And turns out they were Christians, and that's what got her attention about the church, and they were pretty actively involved in their church. But the bottom line is that message was more about the fishing team and who we are and how we ought to be fishing. But this morning I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective as we look at the same passage of scriptures here in Matthew chapter 4. Begin reading in verse number 18, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets and followed him, and going on from thence he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. God, I pray you'd take this this morning. Father, I pray you'd use it. I pray, God, would you move amongst us, your people, God. I pray you'd give us something fresh, something new, something that would encourage us, God, something that would make us a better servant than what we were when we came in this place, that we might go out to be usable vessels, God, that you might use us to be a blessing to somebody else, God, that people might see the light of Christ in us. Will you help us, God, to literally be fishers of men, God, all that you've called us to be, Lord, may we be nothing more, nothing less, except exactly what you want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, have you ever wondered why fishermen? Why would Jesus have chosen such an outcast group of people? I get it in today. You can get a little bit of high profile in fishermen. For those of us that are outdoorsmen, you know they have the Bass Masters and the Elite and some of the, the classics and things. And these guys run around in $90,000 bass boats. They got boat payments bigger than some people's house payments. But that's just kind of the way it is today. But back in the day of Jesus, fishermen weren't known as the elite in the society. I would even venture to say that, that here at Faith Baptist Church over the years, We've been called a lot of things, but the elite wasn't one of them. We've been called misfits. We've been called outcasts. As a matter of fact, the first Sunday school class that I ever taught here at this church was, I'm guessing, maybe around 11 years ago. Valerie was, was in there. She's always in there. And we were looking for a name for the class, which is still the cornerstone down here. 
But when we were looking for a name and we had people write down, that's what many people said we ought to call our Sunday school class the misfits. I'm okay with that. If those out there are calling me a misfit in here, that means it's because I don't fit in with what's going on out there, and I'm okay with that. If that's what it takes, then go ahead and call me a misfit because I want to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I don't want to blend into what's going on out there. I want to be a misfit, something, something different, so I don't particularly mind being called that. Um, I, I know here in the church that some of you are incredibly smart. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your knowledge. I love being surrounded by your knowledge and advice and wisdom. But for the most part, we're not the intellectual elite. I know that some of you are very wealthy. I know you don't think that because people with money always think they need that little bit more. Not to cast a rock. I just know how it is. It don't matter if you've if you got a dollar or a million dollars. There's always one more dollar needs to be made. Um, and I know that God has blessed some of you financially well, and I'm very thankful for that. I'm glad that God's blessed you, that blessed your home, blessed your family, and that he's done according to the scriptures. You've proved him, you've tithed, you've paid your dues, and, and God has opened the windows of heaven and poured you out a blessing that there not be room enough to receive it. According to Malachi 3.10, he's, he's been, you've been good for your part, he's been good for his. But for the most part, we're not the financial giants of LaGrange. Maybe I got more money than I thought. I figured somebody would have said amen out of that. But I do believe we're a very talented church. I see Paul Hutchins call people up here to the Easter play to do things that you didn't even know you could do. I, I, I see all of you come in and work and we build these sets and build stuff and build Judgment Journey. And God just continues to give us work to do. But it seems like everything he gives us to do, we either got to build something or tear something down or both. But, but I do believe that faith is quite possibly one of the most talented churches in town but so are fishermen so I want to look for just a few minutes at what is it that Jesus saw in these fishermen the first four disciples that he calls he calls them right off the boat right out of what they're doing right out of the world the first four that he calls out he calls these fishermen so I would tend to think that whatever it is that he was looking for in those fishermen would be the same thing that he would be looking for in Faith Baptist Church is that a pretty fair assumption so when it comes time to, to pick these disciples, Jesus is working on picking those to whom he's going to teach, picking those to whom he's going to train up, picking to the ones that he's going to set an example for, but then he's going to send them out. When he's picking these fishermen, he's choosing the ones that he's going to send to, y'all ready? To change their hometown. That's been our prayer. God, will you use us to change our hometown with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you use us to change our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria? Help us not just in Troop County, but in Heard County and in Harris County and in, in Meriwether County and, and down in the valley. Will you help us, God, to be a footprint, increase our footprint? Will you help us, God, to share the love of God, to share the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, to share the ministry? Will you help us to change our hometown? And Jesus took this group of fishermen to literally change their hometown, and through changing the hometown, change the world. And that's exactly what we want Christ to do in us. Help us change our hometown that we might change the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus picks out these old rough, callous-handed fishermen to go out and do the work. Notice he didn't go to the 
institutions of higher learning. He wasn't looking for the high, highly educated or the incredibly intelligent. He didn't go to the politicians, although he did save Matthew, a tax collector, out of the deal. But he didn't go to the politicians, you know, going to those who seemingly be able to persuade others. He didn't even go into the temple. He didn't go in for the ones looking who had memorized Scripture and able to quote verses back and forth. No, he went out and found a bunch of ragtag fishermen, and he said, you're just what I need. He, he found some old dirty, been out, got bait and fish and smell all over them. They ain't clean. They ain't overly smart. They ain't overly wealthy. They're just willing to work. But there's something about them that the Son of God looked out and said, You're what I need. Come on and follow me, and I'll do something special through you. Well, I look at Faith Baptist Church, and I believe there's a good possibility that we might be what he needs we got to be willing to surrender some stuff. But what I want to know is what is it that they have? What is it that was in them that Jesus saw? Because we need to duplicate that. Jonathan bought a new boat. You can't hire money. But he bought it in New Orleans. So I rode with him Friday. We ran down to New Orleans and picked it up and Brought it back, and on the way, we were, we were talking. We were just talking about stuff. We were talking about the, the book. I actually had my faith fishing shirt on, and we were talking about things of God. And, talk, and, and I got to think about fishermen. What is it that made the fishermen special? Why, why the fishermen? Why would it be? So we, we started just looking up some things, and I can't even give all the ideas and identities and things that we were trying to look at that would mark a good fisherman. But, but a real fisherman is positive. I'm just going to, I'm going to share five traits with you, and we're going to be out here pretty quick. But a real fisherman is positive. Back in about 1981, I started going down to Lake Seminole, and from 81 up until the late 90s, when my son got older, we started going to Arkansas all the time. But West Point and Oconee was two of my favorite lakes, but we spent a lot of time down at Lake Seminole, especially hunting. But there was a sign we always put in at Jack Wingate's Lunker Lodge. And when you're coming down the road, there was a sign that said they were biting yesterday. That's just to give you a little encouragement. There's hope we might catch something. But on the way out, right across the street from it, facing the other way, there's one that says, they'll tear it up tomorrow. That's just to make sure you come back and spend some more money tomorrow. But, but that's that positive attitude. That's just, that's just that, that line of thinking that fishermen are positive in their mentality. There's, there's a line amongst fishermen. And, and let me just say this, and then I'll move on and leave it alone. There's a difference between a fisherman and somebody that goes fishing. A lot of people like to go fishing. Some people, it's just relaxing. They want to go sit out by the lake, and, you know, they, they just want to go enjoy the day. I'm all good with that, but it's a whole lot easier for me to enjoy the day if I accomplish the purpose for which I went, and that is catch fish. That's right. so, so there's people that go fishing, but then there's some fishermen. And fishermen are a little different. They're, they're a little bit different beads. They, they're always thinking, if I get in the boat, a fish is getting in the boat. If I go fishing, something's going to get caught today. There's a world record out there just waiting on me to come catch them. They, they don't complain. They don't complain if the weather changes. They don't complain if the temperature gets hotter or colder. They don't complain if it, if it well, we might complain when the wind's blowing. Wind's a little irritating. But it don't matter what you do. Golf, unless you're flying a kite, wind's not good. They, they don't complain if the water gets a little bit muddier. They don't complain if the current's too fast or too slow. Fishermen, they just, 
They just go. It's just a pot. Matter of fact, we walked up. David Johnson was down. Well, he don't even know what I was preaching on this morning. We're down there at the rock altar this morning. A group of men, there was about 10 or 12 of us down there. About half of us had umbrella. I know it was just drizzle, but it was a smart half because drizzle will get you wet if you stay out there long enough. He comes up and he says, I figure I needed to be at the rock altar because I wouldn't even give this a second thought if I was going fishing. A little bit of weather like this would never cross my mind. I'm fishing something a lot worse than this, so I figured I better be at the altar this morning to pray. That's just the mentality. It's just positive. It doesn't matter. They're just going to go because here's what they know, what I know. A fish is just like us. That joker's going to eat. I'm talking to a Baptist crowd, and I got two amens. It don't matter if it's hot, they're going to eat. If it's cold, they're going to eat. If it's raining, they're going to eat. If it's snowing, they're going to eat. If it's a full moon, they're going to eat. If it's a new moon, they're going to eat. And as soon as about 11.55 comes on a Sunday, they're going to eat. The fish ain't no different than us. They're going to eat. They got to eat to survive. It's just, do you know where he's at? And can you put what it takes? Can you put him in the boat? Well, Jesus is looking for some people who are like that. They're just positive. Today is the day that something's going to get caught. Today is the day that I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord. Today is the day that God Almighty is going to put somebody in my path, and I'm going to show them the Scriptures. I'm going to show them Jesus Christ. Today is the day that somebody's going to have all their sins washed away. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Today is the day that somebody's name is going to be written in the Lamb's book of life for all of eternity. Today is the day that God in some crazy way is going to find a way to use me, make me a usable vessel as vile and as wicked and as bad as I am. He's going to wash away all my sin. He's going to let people see the light of God in me today. He's going to let me be a witness today. He's going to let me go tell somebody, hey, I used to be worse than you ever thought about being. Don't think I'm looking down my nose. Don't worry about your problem. I've done worse. You'd throw up if you knew some of the things I've done. But God washed away all mine, and he'll wash away all yours. Today is the day that God's going to use me to lead somebody to Christ. Today is the day there's been a mom and dad on their face for years. They've got tear stains all across this altar. They've been begging God to reach down and get their children that are lost out there in the world, strung out on dope, buried out on alcohol, lost and headed to hell. There's a mom and dad crying out to God. And today is the day that God's going to use me to answer a prayer. Today is the day. It's a positive attitude. I'm leaving the house today because God's going to do something special. Today is the day. Fishermen are just positive. They're positive in their attitude, but another quality of fishermen is that they're patient. Just because they didn't bite the first hour. Just because you didn't catch nothing the second hour. Just because you ain't had a bite for the third hour. Just because I didn't catch nothing on the last throw. That ain't got nothing to do with the next one. He is. He's laid up right over by that log. Hmm. I believe I didn't catch that fish. He must be over by that stump. Hmm. If he ain't on that log and he ain't on that stump, he's going to be on that rock. He's right there up on the edge of that rock. See, see, a real fisherman knows that there's just one 
cast away. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened on the last throw. It doesn't matter what happened two hours ago. It doesn't matter that you forgot to put the plug in the boat this morning and you nearly sunk before you even got out there. None of that stuff matters. All that matters is to throw this in the water right now. This is all that matters, knowing that the next throw is the very one that could land a big one. The next gas station I stop at, the person right there in the pump beside me might be the one going to hell. The next line I stand in at the grocery store, the one right in front of me might, be, might just be the one that needs somebody to pick them up and give them some hope. The very next place I stop at, I might see a car on the side of the road. Somebody just needs me to pull over and help them. I don't know what it is. But the very next cast, they just don't give up. It doesn't matter. They're just, they're just patient, just knowing that God can use them in all things. They're, they're one who sees an opportunity in every problem instead of a problem in every opportunity. I was talking to Larry. Um, I can't think of his last name. Larry works up here at uh, Mitchell Marine. He won the. Georgia State Championship Bass Tournament a year ago, but I was talking to him a few days ago, and he was, he was talking about how they came in after the first day, and he had a, a five-fish limit. Those of you at fish bass tournaments, it's a five-fish limit, and it's called the elusive fifth fish, man. So it's just hard to get the last one. He comes in with his five-fish limit, and he weighs in the first day of the Georgia State Championship. He's in sixth place. So he comes back the next day, and they go back out, and they're, they're fishing. They'd had a pretty good morning. He had his keeker in the boat. You always need a keeker. You need one really good fish, something five pounds or better. That's your keeker fish. If you're going to win, you need a keeker, but you need a limit to support behind it. And he said, man, they had the four fish in the boat. They had the keeker. They had, they had a three and a couple better than twos. They just they could not get that fifth fish. And it's time to weigh in. They're, they're up the river, and his partner says, man, we got to go. If we don't go, because if you're late, you get penalized. You lose ounces. If you're too late, you get disqualified. But what happens for every minute you're late, you start losing weight off your bag. You weigh in just like if a fish is dead, you lose ounces off that fish. So it's necessity to keep the fish alive, get them back in, weigh them so that they be released back into the water unharmed. So his partner's like, we got to go. He said, man, only way to let's just go right back over to that one point. He said, I caught a three-pounder earlier off that point. He said, let's just stop there one more time. Let's just fish for a couple more minutes right there. So they pull up and they make a few casts. And his partner says, man, we got to go. He puts his rod up and says, come on, we got to go. He says, hold it. Let me make one more cast. This is my last cast. One more cast. Three pounds in the boat. He won by six ounces. One last cast. Patience. Just keep on offering it. Keep on putting it out there. Amen? Jesus is looking for some people with that never quit, never give up attitude. But then another Another quality, which one did I just give y'all? Patience. Let me stay with patience right here a minute before, before I get run all off. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to because this, this is a better example than Larry was. Patience is a necessity. Patience is a necessity. I remember used to, I fished pro circuit bass tournaments for a few years and you go the day before, and they give you what's called the practice day. And you go out and you fish. You usually got to be off the water by 3 or by 4. And sometimes they do boat inspections in the evening. But they do boat inspections in the morning. You get there about 4 o'clock. You get in line, go through, get all your inspection. They search all your compartments, make sure everything's good. And then you get on the water. And, man, you're anxious. You're ready to go. You're waiting on it to get daylight because the daylight is the blast off. They're going to start boat number one, send them out. 
And you're all nervous. You're sitting there waiting, man. You're just hoping all them guys ahead of you don't get in your spot because your fish was there yesterday. You know when you left there at 3.30 to get your boat out of water by 4, you know the fish was there. You're hoping they're there today because you done paid your money to get in. You want to win some money back. Besides, you just want to win. It really ain't about the money. It's all about winning. Well, it is about the money too. But. So, so you sit there and you're waiting, and it starts getting closer to your number, and you've idled out. So that as soon as they call your number, you're at the no waking. Man, you blast off, and you head out, and you're running wide open all you got, man. Life or limb, nothing matters. you got to get to the honey hole. You strung out to wherever you go and pull up. You start coming up. You pull that boat up in neutral, turn the key off, and jump up on the front deck, and the boat's still floating. It ain't even stopped yet. It's sailing in. Throw the trolling motor in, grab your rod, because you got to get as many casts as you can in today. Because the more casts you get in the water, the more opportunities you have to catch fish. So this is all about the time. No time for eating, no time for drinking, no time for talking. This is all about the tournament. Let's get it done. And you make the cast, and the plug hits the water, and immediately, this is the hardest part for me. I know y'all won't believe this, but you got to slow everything down. Because that fish can be caught. He just ain't in no hurry to get caught. <laughs> and when you put the presentation out there, you got to give him time to cipher on it a little bit. You got to give him time to realize just how good that offer is. You got to let him understand just how, how appealing that is. And, and he thinks you're offering him something good. Now, that's really not a good comparison, is it? Because I got something good to offer in Christ. There ain't no hooks in what I'm offering. I don't know if that's all that good a deal. You, you got to slow everything down. People take time. I said, people take time. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Listen to their pain. Listen to their problem. Listen to what's, what's hurting. You got to slow everything down because if you, if you retrieve it too fast, they didn't have time to get what you were putting out there. You just got to spend a little time. Fishermen are, are patient. They, um... They're willing to go back to the same spot. You ever witnessed to somebody and you left because they didn't want to hear what you had to say? And sometimes the fish was there. He just didn't bite. So come back in a few minutes. Offer him something a little bit more. Put, put a little something sweeter on the hook. Put things out there. You just Jesus is looking for some men and women who have some patience. Rather than just give up, they just keep going back. I want to talk about some new stuff for a minute. When you go back the next time, it's usually better if you change baits. You already showed them what you had the first time. And, and they, they didn't like what you offered the first time. Sometimes you got to offer something. It's still in the scripture. Just don't go back and jump right out to the sinner's prayer and go, we got to get right there. You, just go back and talk to them a little bit more. Go Hear a little bit more about what they want to say. Hear a little bit more about where they're hurting and what matters. And then, and then let God, don't, don't pre-plan what you're going to do. The Bible says to let God plan in. Just go back and hear and let God use some things and put some new stuff out there. You know, sometimes it's just got to be um, some, some new things. I know we're in this world today that everything's all about new. The music's new. It's all a new style of music. A lot of people don't like the new style of music. I like some better than others. I'm learning. I'm, I'm a work in progress. All of the, the new attractions, the, the things that are different. But I, I can tell you something different about fishing. Years ago, Zoom came out with a product called a brush hog. 
Brush hogs, just a brush hog now, but it was new when it came out. It wasn't a lizard, it wasn't a crawfish, it wasn't a worm, it was a brush hog. But the fish had never seen one before. It was something different. And man, for the first couple of years, we were catching fish like crazy. We were winning tournaments and hiding what we were fishing with because we didn't want people to know. But because they were loaded, but the things we came back and we offered new, it was just, we didn't change the presentation. We just changed the bait. The Word of God never changes. If you ever change the Word of God, well, you must be lost. Because we all know we can't change the Word of God. But we stand on the truth. We can't ever change the Word of God, but, but you can change the presentation. You can change the things that it takes to bring them in sometimes. Because it doesn't do any good to just keep If you're not either preaching where they are or getting them to come in, then we're not reaching the lost. I get right now we're trying to get God to give us something to make us better Christians, better servants, to strengthen us and make us better to go out and serve him. But it doesn't do us any good to get that if we're not going to actually go out and serve him. It doesn't do us any good to talk about putting on these events and putting on concerts and putting on he's alive if we're not going to try to get the lost to come in. So sometimes it's just a matter of, of presenting stuff. You know, we don't fish in a bathtub. I hope you don't. I hope you don't have fish in your bathtub. We don't fish in swimming pools. There's no fish there. It doesn't do any good to keep casting a net in the places where there's no fish. So sometimes it takes some of the newer attractions to get people in. I'm losing about half of the old-fashioned independent Baptist church right here. Sometimes it takes some new methods to get them in the door. Listen, I'm not a fan of a lot of the new stuff, but this ain't about me. I'm not a fan of some of the new songs. But there's two things I'll do. Number one is I'll research the person that wrote the song and or, and or is singing the song that made it popular. And read their testimony. What I want to know is he's sold out for Christ. If he is, he's a brother in Christ. Then I want to know the words to the song. That means I got to wait till it comes out on the lyrics on YouTube because I can't hear well and I can't understand half of it. But as soon as it comes out, I, I want to know what it is. I, I'm not all that big a fan of some of the new stuff. I'm... I'm not a big fan of the new dress code. Sorry, I was raised the way I was raised. This is just me. This is what you see. This is what you're going to get. I didn't say it's right or wrong. I just said I'm not a fan of the new dress code. I, I'm not a new fan of this right here being most people's Bible. I'm just, is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. I just don't have to like it. It's okay. If I, to me, this is the Bible. Now, this got the same thing in here, and I probably use it as much as anybody in here. The one thing I like, it's going to answer me if I tell it, okay, Google. And, and you can ask it stuff, and, and it starts spitting out. I don't agree with the answers half the time, but it'll tell you stuff. But it has a Bible in there. No matter where you are, you can pull out. But, but to me, it's, it's, just, it's just the pages. There's something about the pages. I, I, like, I like seeing the old book. I just love the book. When I'm reading, I just I love the book. Man, while I'm on old school, I read a thing about two months ago. Thomas Rainer put it out. It was the top 20 weirdest complaints against pastors last year. <laughs> yeah, that was some good ones. <laughs> and what I learned is, unfortunately, too many pastors think a lot like I do. Um, Pastor Freeman used to say, we ain't fully sanctified. He said, the, had a lady in the church that, that always complained about everything. 
and they had a funeral at the church, and the pastor preached a funeral. A lady come up at the funeral, and, and she said, well, you sure do look nice today. He said, well, thank you. She said, I guess the only way I can get you to wear a suit and tie to preaching anymore is I'd have to die. So Sunday morning, he wore a suit and tie. She came up and said, don't you look nice? He said, yes, ma'am. I did my part. I'm not, I'm supposed to be a preacher. Patience, 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 patience. What, patience, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. I only get in trouble when I get outside of preaching. A real fisherman doesn't quit when, when something doesn't happen fast or when the first cast doesn't work. But real fishermen are also optimistic. They, they envision things before they ever get there. That fish is already caught before they ever get late. He just don't know it yet. They know where they're going. They know which rock. They know where he's going to be sitting. They know what bait they're going to use. They're going to, they're going to put it out there. They're very, they're very optimistic. They envision what's going to happen. Can I tell you, optimistic Christians come to the house of God expecting God to do something. Amen. Optimistic Christians come in here. Listen, I, I'll just go ahead and tell you. There's a bunch of y'all came in here optimistic this morning. Choir started singing. People got to standing up. People got to worshiping. That's called optimism. That's called, that's called like the lame man at the gate of the temple called beautiful. Peter and John, he looked. The Bible says that lame man looked up expecting to receive something. He's asking alms. He's begging. He a piece of fish, a loaf of bread, anything. But the Bible says that, that Peter and John said, In silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Arise and walk, and the man got up. When you come into the house of God expecting to see something, you might come in expecting a little piece of bread, but you have no idea what kind of power of God you can walk out with. That's called optimism. They just come in. There's some optimistic Christians came in Faith Baptist Church this morning. Maybe it's just because we had about 80 people at a prayer meeting on Tuesday. All I know was I saw some people worshiping this morning. But let me, let me get on to the last one. Let me just get right here to the last one. I need, I need to get over here. But because a, a fisherman isn't likely to be positive, and, and he isn't likely to be persistent, which we kind of skipped over and we bumped off a little bit. And persistent was supposed to be the word I gave you back there about when we were talking about Larry. So you can go ahead and write persistent there in your notes. But he's not likely to be persistent. And he's not likely to be patient, and he's not likely to be optimistic if he isn't passionate about what he's doing. See, sometimes in spite of the most optimistic beginnings, the day doesn't turn out quite like you thought it was going to. Sometimes in spite of the fact that there is a world record out there just waiting to be caught, I ain't never caught one of them. I thought I was going to. I've been optimistic about it, but I ain't never caught one of them. Sometimes in spite of the fact that we've been persistent and we didn't quit after the first hour, the third hour, the fourth hour, the fifth hour, it still just didn't turn out like we thought. In spite of the fact that the biggest fish that we had on today was almost within arm's reach of the boat and got off of the hook, that won't keep a fisherman from fishing tomorrow. Just because it didn't turn out like that today, he has to be 
passionate about what he does. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1, it came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. These men were professionals at what they did. They, they did this for a living. This is how they fed their family. They fished all night. They caught nothing. They've come in. There's a lot of work to cleaning your nets out and fixing the holes and mending them, getting everything ready to go back out again. They've just finished doing all of the work. It makes no sense to go put your net back in the water just because somebody says if you go back now, they're biting. All that work and all this ready, it makes no sense to go back. But real fishermen are passionate about what they do. There's some, there's some good fishermen right here in this church. Most of them sit in the balcony for some reason. I can't hardly see up there. Jonathan Hudson is one of them. Sitting over there by Mr. Gerald. That's the fishing team sitting right there. Now, Mr. Gerald, he might have the one up. Mr. Gerald will fish five days in a row for five different kinds of fish and catch all five of them. We, we kind of hone things in. David. David, David Johnson, he says it's all about fishing. There's some, there's some passionate fishermen in this church, people, people that fish in the rain and, and people that fish, but, but real fishermen, real fishermen understand the pain of the one that got away. You ain't got to be a, even just a real fisherman. You just might have been fishing one time, know this one. How many of you have ever had the really big one almost to the boat and he got off the hook? Come on, some of y'all don't leave me up by myself now. Yeah, about half of us. I, w I want y'all to know what the hurt feels like. I don't be the only one up here that, that just understands this pain. And, and I, I will say that I've heard there are some that will throw a fit when that happens. They forget that that rod and reel costs $1,000. Oh, don't it. And then break the tip off a $400 rod. I've heard of people doing stuff like that. Because it hurts. It, it hurts when they get off. I, I know why Jesus sent the disciples out two by two when they went out. Because they're supposed to be fishers of men. One of, one of the biggest stripers I ever had on well into the 30s. Maybe 40s. All I know is he, he exploded the water about, about right here, right in front of us. And, and then took off running. I tried to stop him. He burnt my thumb. And about 10, 15 minutes into the fight later, I ain't done nothing with him. He's all over the place. And, and he straightens out the hooks and he comes off. Y'all know it didn't hurt none because I've already forgotten all about it. <laughs> if we'd have been fishing two by two as the disciples were sent out, somebody could have got that boat and drove down there. And, and we could have followed that fish around and wore him out. And y'all would have a picture of me. <laughs> the, same is, the same is true in the Christian. Have you ever spent hours, the better part of your day, a day of your life, listening to somebody's problems? 
listen to all they're enduring and tell them about Jesus. And walk through the scriptures and, and listen to all they have to say. And, and you, you think they're going to accept Christ only to walk away. You know the hurt? Oh, just, just like my striper fish, I have one of those. We were at DeKalb County Schools. And DeKalb County, when you work in DeKalb County, it's, you, there's not very many days somebody's not going to come onto your job site and ask you for money. And this guy comes up, and I learned something from my dad many years earlier when a guy come up and told me he needed money, and daddy asked him for what. He said he needed to go get something to drink. Daddy said, no, you don't need nothing to drink. You need to get yourself some help. You need to get yourself straightened out. And my daddy tried to help that man and went and bought him some food instead of just giving him money to go buy a drink. And so I learned some things about trying to help somebody. So Corey, he probably remembers the day very well because he winds up setting a whole bunch of school trailers by himself. Well, I stayed in there talking to this man, and he's talking about his problems. And, man, we go through scriptures. And, I mean, we, we spent between two and three hours talking about Christ. And I thought we were standing at the water's edge. I literally thought he was fixing the drink of the water of life freely. And he said, I'm just not ready for that right now. It is so discouraging that fishermen are passionate about what they do. Just because things didn't go exactly right on the last cast of, of yesterday doesn't keep them from fishing tomorrow. That, that's what Jesus wants out of his fishermen, the fishers of men. He wants us to be passionate. He wants us to hurt knowing that there's people dying and going to hell every day. It ought to be upsetting to us that there's people still headed to the same hell that we were on the way to. The same hell that we ought to go to. The same hell that if God threw me in today, he'd be right in doing so. But he's not going to because I accepted Christ. And there's people out there who have not yet accepted the gift. That ought to hurt us. We ought to be passionate about the kind of things that God's want us to do. We ought to be positive in every situation. Looking for God in everything that we do instead of just looking for the problems. We ought to be persistent, never giving up. And patient, willing to do whatever it takes to make a, dish, a difference. But but we ought to be passionate. We ought to be passionate. We're, we're never going to be any of those first four unless we're passionate about what we're doing. Unless we're passionate about the fact that God loves us. Loves us too much to leave us like he found us. But he expects us to be fishers of men. Jesus calls his disciples here and he says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit recorded it so that on February 17, 2019, God could call Faith Baptist Church to say, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We're never going to win this town to Christ, sitting inside these four walls. We're never going to win this town to Christ, fishing in other aquariums. Don't worry about your friend down the road who goes to church somewhere else. Let them go to church where they go to church. As long as they're in a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church, leave them alone. Go out and fish amongst the sharks. Head out into deep waters. Set sail and let God put you in some dangerous territories where there's some sharks out there, where there's, where there's some lost people. The only way we're going to reach the town is by preaching to the lost. We're, we're not in the church-building business. We're in the kingdom-building business. Our job is to build the kingdom, to tell others about Christ, where they go to church. That's God's business. I, I want to, i tell you what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to read a passage. 
Go, go ahead and stand if you would, because I'm going to ask us to pray once again. I, I, wanna, I read Luke chapter 5 a while ago, but I stopped in verse number 6. Verse number 7 of Luke chapter 5. It says, they beckoned unto their partners. Now, this is after when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. The Bible says in the next verse that they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. I want to see the day when God uses Faith Baptist Church to reach that town with the gospel of Jesus Christ to make a difference in our hometown and that there's so many Christians coming out of it that every ship is filled. Every church is full. Every church has got needing to add seats in. This isn't just about filling empty pews at Faith Baptist Church. This is about kingdom building. This is about being fishers of men that souls might be saved. Wouldn't it be awesome for God to use Faith Baptist Church to reach this town in a way that all the churches were filled? That we had to call other churches and say, hey, so-and-so down on so-and-so road, we led him to the Lord yesterday. How about go visit him? I know your church is awful close to him. How about make sure he gets plugged in somewhere? Hey, we led so-and-so to the Lord a month ago. We've not seen them in church. They're right down the road from, from your church. How about I go knock on their door? Here's the story. Here's where they got led to the Lord, but I've not seen them back in church. Maybe they're going somewhere else, but would you touch base with them? I, I, just, I just want us to be fishers of men. Not, not church builders, not self-promoters, just fishers of men. Amen? I want as many of you as will. You're welcome to pray where you're standing. But I want as many of you as will to come to this altar. And I want us to ask God to help us be fishers of men. To help us. Lord, Lord the patience. I'll, I'll give you a free one. Don't pray for patience. Lord God. But pray for all those other ones. And pray that God would help us to be persistent. But most of all, God, help us to be passionate. Help us to be passionate about this book. Help us to be passionate about this word. Help us to be passionate that, that friends and neighbors around us are dying and going to hell and they don't have to they don't have to the price has been paid the gift is offered salvation is available all they have to do is accept the gift God give us the passion to go knock on their door and tell them about Christ so what they don't get saved today be willing to go back in a day or two or three or four or whatever it takes whenever the Lord leads go back and knock on the door again you, you want to know one of the number one ways just live the life before them just be a real Christian. Just be a real deal. Just let them see Christ in you. Let them see Christ through you. Does that mean that you're never going to go through storms? Oh, no, 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 no. No, that means you'll still go through a lot of storms and a lot of troubles and a lot of trials. But you know what happens when you go through a storm? Those people around you you've been witnessing to, they see you hold your head up when you don't have nothing to hold your head up about. They see you smile when you don't have nothing to smile about. They see you praising God when it don't make sense to praise God. And they understand that what you have is real because you're passionate about it. God, help us be that kind of church. Help us to be a church that loves people that's passionate about reaching the lost. I want to ask you if you could heads are bowed eyes are closed while all of you are praying I want to ask you is there anybody in here this morning that's never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior don't, don't leave here today lost 
you can change that today. There's a gift that's been offered. The gift is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. His blood was shed on Calvary's cross for remission of your sins. He conquered death, hell, and the grave to give you life. But you must accept the gift. You must take it in your heart. Are you willing to be saved today? Because there must be a confession of your own sins. You must be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And you must be willing to ask him, Lord, will you come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul? That's not a magic prayer. Anything pulling on you from the inside, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. Anything tugging on your heart, that's just the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you. You can't be saved except you be drawn. One more time, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. If you said that prayer this morning, you trusted Christ. You didn't trust Baptist. You didn't trust Pentecostal. You just trusted the book. It's the book that says, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. It's the book that says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the book. It's the book that you trusted to be saved this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I promise you, all I want to do is pray with you and pray for you. I'll not point you out and I'll not embarrass you. Will you hold your hand up high right where you're at? People standing, it's a little hard to see. Take a minute. If you hold it up.